Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. I'd like you to do a thought experiment with me. I'd like you to imagine you're in the summertime and you're at a pool. And it's one of those really, really big pools. It's not like a backyard pool, but a resort or like a Cedar Point. And so there's hundreds of people in the pool. And there's one of those slides that is really tall, right? And it's got water gushing down and you have to walk up the really, really tall ladder to get to the top of the slide. And I want you to imagine that you, get, you see one of those like four or five-year-old kids and in my mind, I don't know why, like a little chubby kid, okay? And uh, they're so cute. And so uh, they come in down the slide, and like halfway down the slide, that kid decides, I don't want to do this. And they put their arms out on each side and their feet, and they now are just stuck on the slide. All the water gushing behind their head and back, and they're like, they don't want to do it. They're afraid of the final plunge, and they're trying to hold on the best they can. Now, waiting in the line, it didn't dawn on him, all every metal step that this kid went up to get to the very top of this really tall slide, he never thought, oh, no, I'm not going to, I'll be fine. I got this. But halfway down, he's like, I don't want to do this. And now he's stuck. And eventually, he's like, you know what? All right, I don't care. I'm just going to do it. And he finally lets go, and boom, goes right into the water. Okay. Now I want you to imagine for a minute that that water, that pool, is your favorite sin. Whatever one your favorite one, right? Lying, gossip, envy, maybe it's some form of lust, maybe it's arrogance. Whatever it is, that pool is the sin. And what happens a lot for you and me is we're just like this little chubby kid. Halfway down the slide on the way to that sin is when we realize where we're going. We go, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I can't go there. And we try to do everything we can, but we're like 90% of the way there. And we hold on for a little bit, and then we give in, splash. The sin we always go back to. We wish we didn't, but we're like, I don't know. How am I supposed to stop? You're halfway down the slide. See, the difference between me and maybe you and the saints is the saints recognize that they're on their way to sin the very first time their foot touches the first metal stair. They get on that metal stair that goes up the ladder that leads to the pool, the slide that leads to the pool of sin. As soon as their foot touches that aluminum or steel first step, they go, oh, I know where this leads. And it's so much easier to change course early on. There's something like this going on in the gospel today. When Jesus says, all right, you've heard don't murder your brother. But I'm telling you, if you even get angry, you're responsible for it. Or you've heard don't look with lust. But I'm telling you, even if you, I'm sorry, you heard don't commit adultery. But I'm telling you, even if you look with lust, you've already committed it. And we're like, whoa, hey, easy, buddy. I don't know if you've seen what people wear or do nowadays, but uh, maybe it was different 2,000 years ago. 
But what he's meaning, what he's trying to do is shift the attention from the behavior to the source. See, Christianity is not behavior modification, which may be actually news for some of us. That the goal wasn't to get you to act like a good little Christian boy or girl. Christianity is the transformation of a man or woman unto the glory of God so that you would actually shine with divine life from the inside out. Jesus didn't die and rise and said, try harder. Jesus died and rose to adopt us to draw us into the kingdom where flowing from the depths of our hearts, he says himself, are rivers of eternal life or divine life. So when he says, hey, if you've even gotten angry or if you're lusting, look into the heart, what he's trying to do is saying, do you notice the first step on the stairway that leads up to the slide that goes down into your destruction? My experience in my own life tells me, and in my pastoral work with many men and women, is that oh, we are not aware. We're not aware of the interior life or the word heart. How do we know this? Because when I say the word heart, we think of emotions right away and uh, Tuesday, Valentine's Day. But see, the Bible uses the word heart to reference the mysterious place within you and me that gives you your identity. It's the truth of who we are. We could say it's an inner world or the inner climate or the interior life or the soul more traditionally. All these words are trying to get at what the scriptures say is the heart And see, Jesus cares immensely about what's going on in our hearts because he says, it's from there that I can work the transformation of the world, not just your life. But from your heart and mind, he can affect the whole world. He can release his power and love and grace. This is why we take the power of the sacraments into us. We don't just stare at a Eucharist. We eat and drink his body and blood to enter into us so from the inside out we'd be transformed. This is why we hear, we receive the words of absolution in a confessional so they enter into us and free us. This is why prayer isn't just saying words because we've all said a bunch of prayers. But it's about getting our hearts in line with the Lord so we can affect the transformation and healing in us. Pope St. John Paul II had a commentary on this gospel. And he says, we, he makes two distinguishings. He says, we shouldn't hear condemnation, but a call. Meaning, we shouldn't hear like, if you even look at someone with lust and you go, okay, I guess that's it. Guess we're done. He says, it's a call by the Lord. Would you let me show you how powerful I am? Will you let me into your world, your inner life, your heart, and I can show you I have power even to redeem you? That you are not an exception 
You are the one he came to heal and draw into the Father's love and therefore back into the reason you were created. And so what we need is actually an ability, a skill, and it's ability or skill to actually be aware of what's going on inside of us. For example, I could ask you, sincerely, what are you feeling right now? And most of us here would be like, ah, isn't that interesting? We don't know what we're feeling, what's going on with us. If I said, where are you? You'd be like, well, St. Basil's, Brexville, Ohio. And I'd be like, are you really? You're like, actually, I'm planning my Super Bowl party tomorrow. <laughs> or you're like, well, I'm still actually in the parking lot yelling at my spouse. And then we came in smiling like everything was fine. We can be all sorts of places, but where we really are. And that's what Jesus wants to say is, where are you? Isn't it interesting that's the first question God asks Adam and Eve after the fall from paradise? Adam, where are you? He's not saying it like, I, I just put you here. Where are you hiding? I don't have time for games. No. He's saying it to say, like, notice where you really are, and will you share that with me? And so I thought today we'd have a little fun here at Mass. So I'm going to invite you, if you feel safe enough and comfortable enough, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes, and I'm going to show you in just a short amount of time how quickly we can locate our hearts. So with your eyes closed, if they are, and if they're not, that's okay. I'm not taking a survey. I just want you to draw your attention within. And when you do this, I want you in the silence of your heart to say, Holy Spirit, help me. And say that two or three times, just calmly. Holy Spirit, help me. Because we never should go in without him. Never go in without him. Never go in without him. So, Holy Spirit, help me. And just become aware of where your heart's at. What are you actually thinking about? What are you actually feeling? Is there a relationship or person that you're dwelling on from this past week or last night or this afternoon? Is there fear or worry about tomorrow or this coming week? What's actually going on with you? And before you try to say it's bad or not right or i got to fix it or it's not holy or I don't even know, just accept that this is where you're at. That if Jesus is going to have a relationship or friendship with you, this is how he meets you. That there's no other you, at least at this moment, And as you're just aware of it, notice how you feel about that. So I'm thinking about yesterday or tomorrow or wherever you may be. Are you embarrassed? Are you nervous? Are you rushing past it? Are you disliking it? Are you calling it bad? Notice like, how you treat your interior life. 
There's nothing good, right, wrong at this point. This is just where you're at. The church calls this pre-moral. Now I just invite you to ask yourself, how different would your life be if three times a day you stopped and got in touch with this place? How different would your prayer be? How different would relationships be? And now from this place, just say Jesus' name in silence as if to let him know he's allowed to look upon you. He's allowed to speak to you right here. He's allowed to sit with you in this place in your heart. You're not going to do it alone. He's allowed to come and be your friend right there. We don't need fireworks. Just need to say his name as an invitation. Amen. That was about five minutes, maybe four and a half. What if the difference of your salvation and mine involved four and a half minutes? What if Jesus asked you when you die, you couldn't have taken four and a half minutes that day? What if when we feel so busy that we think we don't have time for prayer, we don't have time for God? What if it's someone else telling us that? A figure who's quite literally hell-bent at keeping you at a pace that is not in line with God's plan for you so that you never discover the healing power of Christ and realize you don't even have to go down that slide because he has other plans for you. And the other plans of Jesus involve the rest of the water park where you get to feel safe and joyful because he loves you. Four and a half minutes, a few times a day, could transform everything for you. And might be that simple. Maybe that's why Jesus went around and said the kingdom of God is at hand. It's not far away. It's not up a high mountain. He literally looked at people and said, it's right here. It's within your reach. This is why in the first reading today, they said, you can keep the commandments if you want. We're like, we can? They seem so hard. It's like, no, it's just these little adjustments done consistently over time. And I don't know if you can feel it, but the whole church tonight is so settled and so peaceful. And if you stay there the rest of the Mass, your experience of the Eucharist will be different, and you'll realize, boy, we really do bring into the world something different than everyone else. Amen.